welcome to this year business inspiration podcast and vlog. I'm Jo Faraday and in today's episode I'm chatting with Josh Quigley. He is an athlete cyclist who has survived so many life-changing scenarios from a suicide attempt to the huge challenge of cycling around the world, life-threatening situations and also world records. There is so much to pack into this episode. So I'm going to leave it there and hope you enjoy. Josh Quigley gets an ecstatic welcome at Inverness Castle. There were tears of joy and relief after an epic 516 miles in the saddle, virtually non-stop. It was an emotional reunion with surprise guests, relatives delighting him by making the trek from Livingston to share the moment. Like all the way around the 516 mile route there was people out clapping and cheering and waving and shouting from cars and then by the time I was getting into Inverness and we were coming down the A9 there were so many like cars behind me and people were coming along and there was a bit, there was like a big massive convoy behind me all coming in towards the city and then as we got into the city the people were lined up all along the bridge and then at the castle was just lined with people as well and it was just, yeah, it was just so special so I'm feeling really happy. He was physically drained but buzzing inside. It was all the more amazing nine months on from a horror story in Texas in which he was rammed at night by a high-speed car while cycling across America. On my way to surgery soon, getting surgery on my ankle, that's broken. Having gathered his strength from his NC500 challenge, Josh today praised supporters for helping him dig deep. A drama near Loch Inver almost scuppered things, a camper van blocking the single track road. So Josh had to carry on and I and the, the guys basically organised moving this guy's camper van off the road so we could get past because at that point we were completely stuck we couldn't we would never have caught up with him and my support cars were all behind it so I went through and I never knew what happened behind me and I got to the top of the hill and I thought I'm going to make a decision here did I just go on my own and then the challenge was I didn't have anything with me I didn't have enough food I'd have lasted maybe about an hour and then I'd have been on my own. The hurdle overcome his time was six hours 40 minutes quicker than the route's initial record five years ago. For Josh, the weekend was extra special. I started cycling like four years ago because I was depressed and I was looking for something that would help me turn my life around. To go from that to being like a world record breaker is a really significant thing. So the, the important thing about this record for me was just to actually do it. No matter who goes out and does this record now, no matter who does it faster, they can take away my record, but they can never take away the fact that I am a world record breaking athlete. Ian Ramage, STV News. Hi everyone, I am really excited for episode four of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast to welcome Josh Quigley. Welcome Josh, I'm really, really happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me, appreciate it. No problem at all. Um, so 
before we get into the nitty gritty, there's a lot that we can cover in this time. I could probably talk to you for hours about um, your experiences today and what you've been up to and what you're doing. Um, but for those who may not be aware of your backstory, Josh, are you happy to share a little bit about your journey to date with us? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's quite a big question. I don't know how you want to tackle it. If you don't, you want me to just try and tell it in a short little summary or what? I don't know which way you want to play this one. Yeah, I mean, just just to give a bit of an overview as to, um, I guess, how you started out in, in cycling and what, what made you start that journey. Yeah, okay. So my name is Josh Quigley. I'm an athlete and a cyclist. I'm lucky to be full-time professional athlete as well, but it's not been, not been a straightforward journey to get to where I am right now. I didn't get into cycling until later in life. I was in my mid-twenties and originally came from quite a dark place. I was really struggling at the time with depression. I'd been through a big breakup at the end of 2014 and spent about six months at the start of 2015 just really depressed and suicidal. Eventually, I decided to try and take my own life by crashing my car at high speed in the motorway. I was really lucky to survive that and walked away with no physical injuries. In the hospital, uh, sat in the hospital chapel and basically gave myself an ultimatum and said, you need to go and do something with your life now. You need to go and turn this around. I uh, thanked a God I never believed in and said, I'm going to go and make the most of this second chance. My life's never really been the same since that night. I don't know exactly what happened to me, but something happened to me that night. Physically, I survived the crash, but mentally or spiritually or emotionally, a part of me died that night because almost overnight I lost all interest with all the things that I'd been passionate about. I was running my own business at the time. I felt like, you know, I no longer wanted to do that. I used to love drinking, going to the pub, going out the weekends. I just lost all interest for that as well. And I just knew that I was going to have to go and make a new path for myself. Five or six months after that, I happened to be at a talk where Sir Chris Hoy was speaking and I don't know what it was about Sir Chris that day or the talk that he gave, but something just really inspired me. And I think the best way to describe it is that it wasn't something he said specifically about his own journey. I think he just helped me see something in myself that was always there and that I needed to go and realise. And sitting in the audience that day, I said, fuck it, I'm going to go and cycle around the world. And that really was the decision that changed my life. I set off the following year to try and cycle around the world. I was not an athlete, I was not sporty, I was, you know, quite overweight, out of shape, spent 10 years abusing my body with drugs and alcohol. I was in no way what you would describe as an athlete, but I knew I had to do something different. I knew that I was in a dark place and I knew I needed some sort of big thing to change my life and that was my way of doing it. I had an attempt at Round the World and over one year, I cycled about 10,000 miles, 14 countries and just went, underwent such a rapid transformation. I was... You know, after that year, I was so happy, so healthy, you know, fit, strong, just in amazing shape. You know, the, the lifestyle change that I'd been in went from, you know, spending three, four nights a week in the pub with my mates to cycling around Europe on a bike, you know, wasn't drinking, eating well, meeting all these amazing people, just on the journey of a lifetime. And after that year, I felt it was time to come home. I thought, I don't need to do this anymore. But I don't think I realized just how much an attachment I'd had with cycling and I came home and tried to just leave it behind, thought it was just something that had helped me, it done its job. But for some reason, I couldn't, couldn't walk away from the bike. 
and I just couldn't let it go and I couldn't let that challenge go. He cycled around the world and I got back on the bike and had some more attempts and just kept getting on the bike and trying to do it, but something kept stopping me. Got to a point in April 2019 where I realised I'd had six attempts at trying to cycle around the world. And I had a bit of a man in the mirror moment where I realised you're going to have to just do this or walk away from it forever. And I thought, there's only two options here now. I either go and get a real job, go and do something else in my life, or I get back on the bike and try and cycle around the world and get it done. So there was, there was, never, really a, there was never really a choice. There was only one option I was going to ever take. So I decided to get back on the bike one final time. And I said, I'm going to cycle around the world no matter what. And that was such a life-changing moment because after making that decision, I never really looked back. And very quickly, I'd cycled across Europe, cycled across Asia, cycled across Australia, cycled halfway across America. And in that journey of about eight or nine months, it was quite interesting what happened because I never looked at cycling as a, a sporting thing. I never looked at the bike as something that I'd done because I was interested in cycling. The bike was always just a vehicle for, I guess, this sort of spiritual, emotional, mental journey that I was on. But in 2019, on that attempt around the world, it really, what it started off as a journey to happiness, essentially, quickly grew into a journey to champion. And I just really developed a love and a passion for, for cycling and for being an athlete and wanting to compete and to race and to set world records. And I never, ever imagined that happening. So that final attempt of just committing to it and doing it for so long really was what took me from the guy that was depressed and suicidal and lost to the athlete that I am today. And so I, when I think about all the reasons why I stopped and started so many times and why I quit so many times, I think there was part of me always knew that this was coming and it scared me. And so I think that's why I stopped and started all the time. But eventually got it done as best I could. I've been in a lot of things since then, but I'm now in a place where I've, you know, I've set records, I've cycled around the world, got big record attempts coming up. And yeah, I guess that's a wee bit of the journey from the start to where I am just now. It's exciting times, that's for sure. I mean, I've personally have been following your journey for the last three years, but I know, you know, there's there's a there's a whole, you know, the, I mean, that's a great synopsis and snapshot of, of your experience, but there's, so, I mean, there's so much more that you could delve into. Uh, but like you say, I think once you wholeheartedly commit to doing something and you're passionate and you love it that much, then, you, you know, it ultimately becomes what you live and breathe it's what you know makes you get up in the morning um, and it's great to, to hear that transformation and that you committed to yourself that that was what you wanted to achieve from life um, and you're going out and you're doing it so um, I think anyone that deliberates or comes stuck with decisions I think that's you know it's a great message to people um, to sort of say that you can you know if, you, if that's what you're looking to achieve you know go out and do it it's important and um, it hasn't always been easy as you've mentioned um, and 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 obviously the cycling has aided you in terms of getting on and and getting out of that that transition um but there have been issues along the way as well and I think we, you know, we'd be doing you a huge disservice if we didn't mention about, um, you know, what happened, you know, on your round the world, you know, cycle um, in Texas. So can you tell the audience a little bit more about that part of your journey as well? Yeah, so in de December of 2019, I cycled across Europe, Asia, Australia, and there was no 
in Los Angeles, California, about to begin the penultimate leg of cycling around the world. All I really had to do was cycle Los Angeles to New York, 3,000 miles across America, and I was all but done cycling around the world. There was only about another 1,000 miles back in Europe after that. And for a guy that spent, you know, the best part of five years having this goal of cycling around the world hanging over him and never got anywhere close to finishing it, I was in such good spirits leaving California. I felt, right, I'm so close to this now. Get across America and you've finally cycled around the world, Josh. And so I was, I was feeling really good as we were starting that cycle across America. I made it about halfway across. I was doing some pretty big days, about a couple hundred miles a day. Some days, 270 miles, 240 miles. And then I made it to the great state of Texas, which has become a very special place for me. And I don't really know what happened, but the last thing I can remember is just riding my bike late at night on Highway 36. It was quite interesting because I had a couple hundred mile target that I was trying to do every day at that time. And I remember stopping in this little place called Gatesville. It was about 180 miles I'd done that day. Stopped in a Burger King. And I remember thinking, right, I've done 180 miles. Maybe I should stop. You know, it's dark, it's late. You know, it's quite late at night to be in the roads. I think it was about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. But I thought, no, come on, you're so close to your 200 mile target. Back in the bike, get the final 20 miles done, get to Temple. Once you get there, you've got your 200 miles done. So I set off with Burger King. And the funniest bit about this night is that I actually went the wrong way for about 20 minutes. Oh, no. 20 minutes later, I realized I'm going the wrong way. So I turned back, finally got 20 minutes back, and I'm now in the right road, back onto Highway 36. And then the last thing I can remember, I'm riding Highway 36, and then the next thing you know, I'm in a helicopter and <laughs> I've been, I've apparently been hit by a car. But that, that, that bit of the memory is all quite blurry, but I can just remember being in a helicopter and it's, it's hard to be in a helicopter and not know you're in one because it's just so loud. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the propellers are just going so fast. So I'd, I thought it was, was, I knew something had happened. I knew something had went wrong, but it was a little bit strange because I was in no physical pain. I couldn't feel anything. Don't know if that was the adrenaline or the morphine or the amount of drugs they were giving me at that time, but I couldn't really feel anything. So I knew something had happened, but I didn't really know what. It wasn't until I got to the, the emergency room and I remember sort of feeling a wee bit conscious and thinking like, shit, something really serious has happened. And it turned out that I'd been hit by a car at 70 miles an hour. <clears throat> I'd flew 50 feet through the air, hit the ground, and had a really long list of injuries, including a fractured skull, traumatic brain injury, seven broken ribs, had fractures on my pelvis, my spine, broken ankle, broken heel bone, broken shin, and required two major surgeries. I'd also damaged one of the arteries in my neck that was carrying blood to my brain, so I needed surgery for that. So I was alive, but I was pretty badly messed up. Yeah. But something that I'm so proud of is that from those early conscious moments of being in the emergency room, the only thing in my mind was, when can I get back on a bike? Because, you know, this is what I do. This is what I love. And I've got a challenge to finish. So from the early moments of hospital, all through the rehabilitation process, I was obsessed to, by getting back on the bike. And that was the only thing I was thinking about. Just when can I get back on the bike? I just want to get back on my bike. And, you know, just two and a half weeks after that happened, I was in a rehab facility in Austin, Texas, where they had a gym and I was wheeling myself down in my wheelchair every day, sitting in the wheelchair, turning the pedals of a static bike for three or four hours a day. All the people that worked there thought I was totally mental, but 
that'll just tell you a bit about my determination just to get I was back gonna say life. yeah that's yeah. that's that's just your grit and determination all over isn't it and yeah. um you know that that's what gets you back out there and 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 continuing on that journey so um I'm I'm so pleased that you're still here to tell the tale um you you know the, there's still been other other things that have happened to you since then um but you still get on that bike and you still you know get yourself back in that that you know zone where you will you know you've completed um the, the new north coast 500 world record which is is amazing an achievement and and that was in september 2020 wasn't it and um, so can you tell us a little bit about that because obviously from you know december 2019 to like september 2020 and you you're you know you 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 know, back on that bike and completing a, a world record. I mean, that's just an astounding achievement. Yeah, so <clears throat> about nine, nine or 10 weeks after the accident in America, I was back in the bike, back outside, back in the road, back training. My injuries had pretty much all healed. I still, my ankle was still a little bit sore, but I was back to training. I was back on the bike and my, my big goal was let's go back to America and finish cycling around the world. That was what I was obsessed by doing. And so about 12 weeks after the accident, I was fit. I was ready. I was rehabilitated. I was ready. But this is also now March 2020 when the coronavirus thing just started to kick off. So yeah. I wasn't going back to America. And so I just continued to just kept training, kept getting fitter again, just kept regaining all the fitness that I'd lost when I was out injured for five weeks yeah. and I got into a position in the summer where I was just absolutely flying I was just in the greatest shape of my life I was so fit healthy happy it was just really really so strong and powerful and it became apparent that you know I'm not going to get back to America anytime soon by this point I think we all, re we'd all realized how serious COVID was at first I don't think nobody really knew about it and I thought you know I might get back to America in May or June or something like that but by June, July, I'd accepted that I wasn't going to go back to America anytime soon. So I wanted to find a new challenge, something to do. And I was also going to have to do something within the UK. Somebody had suggested to me going for the North Coast 500 record, something that I knew about before and it always interested me, but I hadn't thought about it until the person said it to me. And so I just decided, right, that's what we're going to do. Let's go and set that record. The record was currently sitting at 31 hours and 23 minutes and that's for a 516 mile route so the guy that done it James McCallum he was a professional cyclist one of the best cyclists that Scotland's ever produced really an amazing guy and somebody that I've learned a lot from myself and he he was the record holder so we knew the time to beat we need to go faster than 31 hours and 23 minutes and the nature of this sort of thing was that because you're doing it in you know just over a day you're not going to stop really it's not you don't go out and do 200 miles and then go to your bed at night and do another 200 miles mm. i was basically setting off from inverness castle and aiming to cycle 516 miles and over 30,000 feet of climbing which is more than mount everest basically oh. without without stopping and so i felt i felt good i felt confident i felt like that was my time you know for the last couple of years i've been telling everybody i was going to become a champion i've been telling everybody i was going to set world records I've been telling everybody I was going to I was going to go down that path, and a lot of people doubted me. A lot of people said I wouldn't do it, but this was my this was my time. This was my moment to show people what I was really made of, and that I'm not. I wasn't just this charity cyclist, this round the world guy. I could actually go and compete and be up there with the big guys as well. So 
I felt incredibly confident. I felt like it was my, my, my chance to show people what I was made of. And we set off in good spirits. had a full support team with me. To be honest, the first 15 to 20 hours was relatively easy because when you're going for so long, you're, you're going quite slow. You're taking it easy. You're not going flat out like you would be normally during training. So I was feeling good, but the, the 12 hours during the night, just 12 hours of complete darkness. I'd already been on the bike for about 16, 17 hours. Then I had to go through 12 hours of the night. It was really difficult. And by the time the sun was coming up at four or five in the morning the following day, I was just absolutely done. You know, I'd been on the bike for just over 24 hours. Wow. In that, in that time, I'd not stopped for any breaks. I'd not been no stops. I was really on the edge. And I knew that all we had to do now was get from John O'Groats, which is the highest point in the UK, back down to Inverness. And we'd actually planned on making up a lot of time on that bit because most of the west coast of the route is just so up and down with all the mountains and hills. But the, the, the last part of it's relatively flat. So... I was looking at it as a sprint finish, which is a wee bit weird given it was still like 130 miles to go. But as we're bombing down towards Inverness, I remember as we were getting in the outskirts of Inverness, maybe about 50 miles to go, we had a live tracker so people could follow it online. And I think because nobody really knew if I was going to do it or not, it was so close. There was just a lot of drama and a lot of excitement. So a lot of people in Inverness came out and for the, like, the last 50 miles, like every lay-by, oh. every motor, motorway flyover bridge, every car park. There were just so many people coming out, oh, clapping, clapping, cheering, shouting. By this point, I've not really got a clue what's going on. Like I've been up for 30 hours, cycled around about 500 miles. Yeah. I couldn't even really work out looking at my computer if I was up or I was down. I just didn't know. I thought I just need to keep pedaling. And I remember as I was coming into the outskirts of Inverness City Centre, I knew we were close, but I still didn't know if we were, we were going to do it or not. I remember just seeing all the people that came out, like I swear to God, the amount of people were just incredible. And they were all just shouting and cheering. And just I just had this sense that the whole world wants me to do this. Like yeah, the world is you on. Everybody's yeah. rooting for me here. Like I I yeah. was never meant to do this. Like I was I was a guy who got on a bike because I was depressed and I was suicidal. I wasn't meant to become a world record breaker. I wasn't <laughs> meant to become a champion. This is like the greatest underdog story ever. Like people it is, want me to absolutely do this. of course it is. Yeah. And I remember as I was coming into Inverness, I seen all those people and I had a moment where I was like, do you know what? See if I get there and I lose it by a minute, all these people aren't going to think I've failed. Nobody's going to think I failed. I'm going to be the hero here no matter what mm. because of the effort that I've put in. Yeah, of course. I actually get a wee bit emotional just saying that because it just takes me back to that moment. Yeah, exactly. Of course it was. I remember just that moment of thinking, You've got nothing to lose here, John. Yeah. You've got an hour to go. Give it absolutely everything you've got. Yeah. And see what happens. And it just took the pressure off me. I gave it my all. And as we hit Inverness City Centre, I remember coming through the town centre. I seen the castle for the first time. I looked down at my computer and it was 31 hours and 13 minutes. And I thought, right, I've got 10 minutes to get to that castle, <laughs> which, which is about 100 metres away. So you're picking was, it. Pegging it with every ounce that, of your being, yeah. That was a moment that just hit me. I just was yeah. like, wow. And then I ride up the side of Inverness Castle. As I, as I came up the side of the castle, oh, I, get, I'm, I'm I was really going to say goosebumps, yeah. I'm really crying here at the moment thinking about it, and I do every time. Yeah. When I came around the side of that castle, I couldn't believe the wall of noise that hit me. I couldn't believe the amount of people that had came out and... 
just riding up into that castle as the world record breaker was just the single greatest moment in my life. And just, if you think about all the things that I'd been through, the depression, well, exactly, yeah. I mean, suicide attempt, you know, yeah. all the failed attempts, the car crash in America. To do that after all that, yeah. you know, just as well, nine months after America yeah. was was so special. Oh, it's it was immense. It's an epic journey, and just just to that point, and like you say, it's it's almost like all of those things are all built up to that point, and you know, in almost you know those last ten minutes, it, was it like having like flat like flashes of the different things that had happened to you? Like what went through your mind then? Do you know what? And people, people who know me will not be surprised by this. But do you want to know the thing that I was thinking about most in the final few hours of that thing? I was thinking, if I can do this, I can finally write my book. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, I've been trying to write a book for like years now, but I just I just kept thinking the ending's not there. I've not got the I've not got the perfect final chapter. And I remember the whole way down from John and Grotz to Inverness, the number one thing I was thinking about is, if I can get here, break that record nine months after America, that is the perfect final chapter for this book. And I can finally go and write my book. That was that was where my head was at. I was thinking, just let's get this book written. Absolutely. Well, I know, you know, and I think you've, you've got a, a few more chapters to go on there, though, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> I don't think that's I, your... I definitely, <laughs> definitely have, but it was... I think for because that that felt like the end of a chapter in my life. Yeah. It felt like, you know, I feel like from where I was started, why I got back, why I got on the bike the first time, yeah, in 2016. The reasons for getting on the bike to setting that world record, yeah, was like it was definitely the end of a chapter because I feel like everything that comes from the world record forward is now like right. I've now proved myself I can compete at the highest level. Yeah, I can set records. I can go and race. I can go do all this stuff. Yeah. This is now time for that chapter, but that chapter's done. Yeah. And and what what an amazing journey just just to that point. So you know, huge congratulations, um, and and I'm sure the audience will just be thinking exactly the same. Um. So do you think you will revisit your World Cycle tour in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I need to. It's not. It's not. It's not a choice. I've, for me, cycling around the world is the biggest thing in my life has been up until this point though I'm just not in a position to do it right now because no. I'm not allowed to travel to America yeah. as soon as I'm allowed to travel to America I'll be in the first flight back and I'll go back to Texas and I'll go and finish that cycle and I'll finally get that done but for now I just need to think about other things because it's just not in my control yeah no and that and that's the thing you know I think that's the message for, for everyone right now isn't it work with what you can control and what you can do and yeah. you know by doing that you've achieved your you know a, a world record which you know wouldn't necessarily have, have happened that way yeah. if you'd completed America so um and in that order so it's great you know what what you've achieved to, to this point and um, so in terms of, of you um obviously there's our audience the reason we set up this podcast and blog was to share people's inspiring stories, experiences, but also what gets people, you know, out of bed in the morning. It's been a hard old slog, hasn't it? Um, for a lot of people, and um, there's a lot of people that are, you know, feeling very down. And you know, I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, but are there any sort of inspiring messages that you can give our audience in terms of, you know, how to get be more positive and get out and do what they're dreaming? 
Yeah, I think I think a lot of it starts with self awareness. I think you've got you got to you got to spend time learning who you are, understanding who you are. I think something that's something I've done a lot of in the last five years is been on such a crazy journey, so many different countries, read so many books, met so many people, tried so many things, you know, different ways of eating, different ways of living, just tried and experimented so many things. And I just, I feel just so clear on who I am, what I'm about, the purpose of my life, my goals, my mission. I just feel so clear in that. And I think that what that does for me is it just, there's a clear reason to wake up every day. I know what I'm working towards. I know what I'm striving for. I know the habits that I need to have in my life daily to get there. And it just brings a bit of order to my life. I think that the times in my life where I've really struggled has always been the times where I feel like I've lost that sense of purpose and that reason for living. You know, you think about back in 2015 when I went through the breakup with my girlfriend, like she's always a big part of my life at that stage. So you feel like what's the point waking up every day when you've not got her? And then other times in my life, once I started cycling and then I'd stopped, like what's the point waking up when I've not got that cycling thing anymore? I think you need a reason to wake up. Like, I don't know what that thing is for everybody, but for me, I've just always been a goal-setting guy. I've always liked goals. And I think the important thing about goals is it's not it's not about setting goals because I think, right, if I achieve that world record, then I'm going to be happy. It's, I'm, I'm happy now, and I just like setting goals because I like, I like the chase. I like the process. I like working to what... I like having something to work towards in the future. Then when I get that thing... When I wake up the following day, I'm like, right, let's go for another thing. And it's not it's not like this empty, endless search. I'm never searching for anything. I'm quite happy, but I just like chasing things. I like something to work towards. And that when yeah. I wake up every day, all my actions and my habits are working towards something. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter how big or small those are. It's, it's like you say, it's a process, isn't it? It's an order. It's a thing to keep you going. And... Um, what message of hope would you like to share with the audience? You know, what, 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 what can they look forward to for the future? I think understanding and accepting that life is so temporary and nothing's really permanent. If you think about like everything that's going on right now, it's not going to be going on in the future in a lot of ways. I think something that I struggled with back in the beginning was when I tried to take my own life, that was under the pretense of a false belief, which was how I feel now is how I'm going to feel forever. Mm. And I just couldn't I just couldn't have imagined a better future at that time. Couldn't have imagined ever getting over the breakup. Couldn't have imagined ever being happy again. And so when you've got no hope for the future, a lot of the time you do feel just a bit like that and you just think, what's the point going on? Yeah. But I think it's just understanding that you know, just because you don't feel good right now doesn't mean you're going to have to feel bad in the future. Yeah. That's probably my message of hope. But something I'll also add to that as well is that things very rarely get better without you doing something about it. Yeah. You're really going to have to do something about it. And I actually think that's quite an empowering message because if the reason why you don't like how you feel, you don't like your life is because of something that happened in your life, yeah. there's no much you can do about that. But see if it's because of your diet, your mindset, your relationships, how you spend your time, how much you're drinking, how much you're eating. These are all stuff that can be changed. Like yeah. you can eat better, you can exercise, you can read more books, you can surround yourself with different people, you can have a different job or career. I think look at the things in your life that you can control and you can change. Yeah. And if you're not happy, just start changing stuff and start trying new things. Yeah, I, and I absolutely agree with you. I think we have to take charge of 
of, of what we want to achieve personally and we we can control a lot i know this pandemic has has not been something we've been able to control but we can control how we respond to it can't we so i think that that's a great message josh thank you so what's what have you got planned for the rest of this year then i know you're not going to be you know you're not going to be quiet and still are you so t tell, tell us what you've got going on no i've got some big plans this year so I'm basically not allowed to leave the UK pretty much. And that, that might change at some point. But a mistake that I made in 2020 was I basically I, I based and planned my entire year around getting back to America. And then it never happened. Yeah. And so I was always in the back foot and I was always really reactive. Yeah. So this year, although travel might change this year and things might get back to normal this year, I'm going off the basis that I won't because it just is going to create a better year for me. So... This year for me, I'm focusing 100% exclusively on cycling challenges, world record attempts within the UK. And that's my plan for the year. Even if travel opens in July, that's still my plan because this is a plan that I can work for. And it doesn't, I don't need to get permission from anybody. I don't need to travel overseas. Everything I can do this year, doesn't matter what the restrictions are, I can do them all here. So that's basically my plan for the year. I've got some big record attempts that I want to go for. The main one that I want to do in July, my big main goal is to set the fastest ever time to cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats. Amazing. That's my main one. I've also going to, as a warm-up for that, I want to set the fastest ever time from Gretna Green to John O'Groats, which is the entire length of Scotland. The next one that I'm doing is actually, nobody knows this yet, so this is a wee exclusive. Oh, it's exclusive. Okay. When will this be out? Um, we will be putting this out in the next couple of weeks. Okay, that's fine. I can tell you, that's fine. So my, my next one, which has just been confirmed, but nobody knows about yet, is that on the 26th of April, I'm going to be doing a Guinness World Record attempt, attempting to cycle the most amount of miles ever in seven days. Oh my goodness me. Wow. Oh, well, we'll, we'll all be rooting for you. So um, we're, um, we're going to share your, your website link and things. So, I mean, if there's, if there's any links that we can share for any of you, you know, every, any, any of the things that you're doing, then, you know, do let us know. But yeah, we're, we're all right behind you. I just yeah. can't wait to continue to see your progress. And I think we're going to have to have you on at some point soon again. And, and hopefully you'll have started your book. Do you think you will make time to do a book? Do you, do you want to know where my head's at with that at the moment, right? So <clears throat> we've not really got into this yet, which is surprising for me, but my big dream, goal, life ambition is to win the Tour de France oh, and be okay. the first the first ever Scottish winner. That's like my ultimate dream and plan and goal. And that's really like the only thing I care about. Every, anything else I'm doing is working for, towards that. Yeah. At the moment, I just don't have the opportunity to pursue that path. Yeah. because all of the races, all the competition, everything has been cancelled because of COVID. So I'm not able to pursue that at the moment. So I'm just continuing to train, continuing to do solo challenges, record attempts, just to keep doing things and keep ticking over. Yeah. Keep having a bit of fun. But that is my ultimate goal and ambition. And so the reason why I'm telling you that is because in relation to the book, I feel like now is a good time to write a book because it's essentially the story of a guy who got on a bike because he was depressed cycled around the world, hit by a car, blah, 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 set the world record. That's a great story. Yeah. But there's also part of me that thinks, why would you tell that story now when it could be so much better in the future? With the, with the yes. Yeah. yeah. Like why 
why tell the story? Like the story finishing at the point of setting a world record in Inverness. It's a great story. It's still, it's still a great book, but why not write the book in 2026 when I win the Tour de France? That'd be a much better story. So for me right now, yeah. I'm not in any major rush no. to write my book because the longer I wait, the better the story gets. And Yes, it does. You've added, I mean, even after your, your Inverness, you've added extra layers on this year. And like I say, we could we could be talking about this for a lot longer than this, than, than we would um, normally a podcast. But I just think, you know, I, I wish you every success um, with, with your you know, endeavours and continue to support you in the wings alongside lots of, of you know, many, many millions of people out there. So, um, you know, and our, our audience isn't just in the UK, it's uh, across the world. So um, I'm sure all of us will be, you know, rooting for you. So wishing you the very best of, of I don't want to say look, because you just smash everything anyway. <laughs> um, just, you know, all the best with it. I think, I think you, you're an inspiration to many. So thanks for taking the time to chat yeah thank you i appreciate it no worries and then um, hopefully speak to you soon thanks a lot right. bye right. thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today josh i really appreciate it and i know our audience will be absolutely compelled to follow you and support you um, through your journey and your future endeavours. So we wish you every success with all of them, but we know that you're going to smash all of them. So wishing you all the best with that. And thank you for taking the time to share your story. If you're enjoying the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast and vlog, please do feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, in Pinterest, Instagram and LinkedIn. So do feel free to reach out and let us know what you think of the podcast and vlogs and who you'd like us to reach out and chat to in the future. Our next guest will be Alex Wallace and she is the CEO and founder of the Mintridge Foundation. Alex is really a force to be reckoned with and there is so much that you can take from this wonderful inspiring young woman she has dedicated um, to life enhancing life skills for young people through sport and she has been really successful in her motivations to date she's been awarded the 2018 sunday times sportswoman of the year in the grassroots category and also is Alongside a fellow um, Royal Commonwealth Society member, she's also the Woman of Future Sport Award in 2017. She's a really inspiring individual and I cannot wait to share her journey with you so far. Thanks for listening.